Welcome to episode 141 of the Win6 podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. We are promise breakers, Jordan. Mm-hmm. We, we told our good listeners that we wouldn't be back with a new podcast this week. And we did set it up as, you know, unless the books do something, I spent the week on tenterhooks. I was like, okay, we've got this one-week break. First time in a long time, we've got a break. The days went by, the days went by, and everything was good. Everything was quiet. All was quiet on the Western Front. And then podcast recording day came along, and the books decided to get busy with the hiring and, if not firing... At least letting people leave for other places. And so here we are, living by our summer mantra of even (laughs) even when we try to break away from it, it just draws us back in, which is very fitting for the books. They are that even when I thought it was out, it pulled me back in. That is the books in a nutshell. Are you surprised that they found a way to bring us back? Not just during our planned break, but on the exact day that we would otherwise have been recording. Um, you're thinking too hard on this. I thought I thought it was going to be a simple fitting. Yeah, I think we had other like it's been slow. Aside from the hoopla of the GM search, the draft, uh, free agency, which I mean. We had that Derrick Rose hysteria for a good hot minute. It's been kind of, it's been dry. The summer has been dry. Of course, I, I should not forget the Summer League. That is the holy grail of what keeps me going in this hellish life. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, yeah, of all days to do it exactly. Have every, have probably the busiest day of their summer thus far. Not just someone with the Bucks on with the herd too, as we will get into. Yeah, we will. We'll start off with the herd, and but I guess the latest of the news as we record this, which is that the Wisconsin herd have hired their first ever head coach. Jordan Brady is the man tasked with coaching the herd in their inaugural season in the NBG League. Jordan Brady, not a name who's going to be familiar to your average NBA fan. He is someone, though, with a significant track record in the G League. He played in the G League for three different teams over, I think it was a four-year spell. 
He has been an assistant coach for uh, technically five different franchises, although one was bought out and renamed, so essentially four. But over the last five years, he has been with a, a new team effectively every year. And he's the kind of guy who just seems has been working his way up to this point for this opportunity. And at 34 years old now, he's got it. Um, he's going to get a chance with the Bucks. The herd, I should really say. What is your, what's your gut instinct to this? Was this the type of hire you were expecting? And then I guess we don't know Jordan Brady all that well to begin with, but in terms of a profile, how do you feel about this kind of guy being the Hurts head coach, as opposed to maybe more of a name figure? Like I know we had talked about potential former books or books legends maybe getting a shot at doing something there, and other franchises have gone that route. How do you feel about the books taking kind of the tried and tested G League route for their first coach? I think it makes sense. Um, as you noted in the write-up for the news, uh, as ties to the Idaho Stampede slash Salt Lake City Stars. Am I correct? Am I saying that? I always say I always forget the city part. Salt Lake City Stars. S L C S. Sorry. Uh, and of course, Steve Brandis has ties to that. Also, also worth noting, so did Justin oh, yeah. Zanuck. Like this, Who? Uh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, not so much Zanuck didn't have with the Salt Lake City Stars because that had already, or he had already ended up in Milwaukee for a lot of that. But the Idaho Stampede were the Salt Lake, Salt Lake City Stars the year before that, and Jordan Brady was with them at that time too. So it seems like he. Like, there is potential that his name could have been in the mix for a little while for this role from different people around the books. Uh, Brandes, obviously, is still with the herd. He is the president of that team. And worth noting as well that Jordan Brady also played for the Stampede as a player at one point during Brandes' time there. So this is someone who may not be an obvious kind of known commodity from inside the books, but from within the more select group of people who are making decisions for the herd, this might be one of the more logical kind of candidates they could have gone with. Yeah, someone they're familiar with, someone they have seen on the player side, someone that they've seen with the coaching staff. He's young, he's 34, same age as John Horst. So uh, <laughs> the Bucks have certainly got younger on their roster and in their organization, uh, except might check that up just a little bit more but yeah i mean i think we like you said when we were talking about summer league we were kind of thinking hey you look at a guy like josh uh i, I was gonna say brog yeah it's bro the real name is bro hammer but, but I you don't need to say brog bro is better bro hammer is the man's name one m everyone i see it misspelled everywhere jordan does that intentionally for fun but Important B R O G H A M E R Brohammer. Broghammer. Um, he's a young <laughs> commodity. Uh, of course, we kind of thinking maybe this is his kind of test run, and then uh, the news came out that he was tabbed to be the coach while in Vegas. So uh, not like there was a much a bunch of preparation there, but if if you it's it makes sense because if you're already you're getting a guy that's already familiar with the, the inner workings of the G league. He obviously has, like I said before, he has experience uh, as being as a, being a coach uh, despite his, you know, being 34 years old. And again, 
knowing the uh, people that are in, in charge, that was also, you know, check the box of theirs to, you know, kind of lead this in for their first season. So, I mean, makes a ton of sense to go for a guy that they are familiar with in, in many regards. Yeah, and there are some kind of interesting details I found that maybe make him more fitting for for this assignment or maybe would have piqued the book's interest. Like if you, if you look at the um, the press release from when he was hired by the Idaho Stampede that the Jazz released on their side at the time, um, it was noted that um, part of kind of something that within the Jazz organization he'd been credited for was helping in the development of Rudy Gobert when he was an assistant coach with the Bakersfield Jam. And it was kind of said that he was a guy on the on the Jazz's radar from that time forward. They were trying to get him onto one of their development squads. They eventually managed to do that. But I think that is interesting. Someone who has already kind of got a strong track record for, I mean, Rudy Gobert is an all-NBA guy last year. So he played a role in that when he was down in the D-League as it was. Um, another interesting detail, though, that I found from that particular one was just the full run-through of his playing career. I want to read this kind of this excerpt out because I think this is particularly important for someone who's going to be a coach in the G-League. Um, I quote, prior to coaching, Brady played professionally for four seasons. He spent his rookie campaign overseas with Luxembourg Racing of the DBBL. He then played the next three seasons in the NBA Development League including two seasons with the Utah Flash, playing for current Utah Jazz assistant coach Brad Jones, and splitting a third season between the LA Defenders and the and Idaho Stampede. As a player, Brady also participated in several international basketball tours to promote the game globally, including the China Hoops Tour and the Estonia Professional Tour. Brady played collegiately at Utah Valley University. I think that's of note because um, the international elements of that, particularly a guy who ends up playing these kind of international basketball tours, even ending up in Luxembourg for a spell playing overseas. It's not someone who, say, is in in Syria or in Liga Endesa or is playing kind of Euro League. This is a guy who, like a lot of the G League players tend to have done, really had to, as a player, go the hard route to carving out any sort of living for himself as a professional. I think that's kind of interesting when you're going for the approach. Obviously, Jerry Stackhouse has been incredibly successful as a as a very well-renowned NBA player, former All-Star, who has gone and been able to connect to guys in that setting. That might just say more about him, though, than that type. There's probably an easier... It, it would seem more likely that a coach who has been through a similar sort of journey, and I mean, this is, again, a young coach and someone who's not too far detached from that, would be able to motivate and understand the trials, tribulations, and the challenges that a lot of his players in the G League setting will be facing. That, to me, just jumped out as something interesting that just can help to kind of manage that locker room, build trust a little bit easier. Do you see that? I mean, I... As I said, there are clearly there have been guys who've been very successful as going from NBA players to this setting, but there is an obvious kind of jump to make in why you'd hire a guy with those kind of experiences to deal with players who will have to go through similar. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense to know or to get a guy that, as you said, uh, has been 
in the exact same position as the guys that we'll see fill with this roster. I mean, of course, you. I feel at this point we're only familiar with – I mean, there's only two players, I guess, or three, if you count Jaquan Lewis. But uh, with guys like Jalen Moore and Bronson Koenig, they'll probably get the spotlight because technically on the 17-man roster, but a lot of the guys that they'll, you know, get through the expansion draft or the regular draft or guys that they'll trade for or whatever, those are the guys that are going to be logging many stops along the way, not just, the, uh, you know, domestically, but, of course, overseas. And it's not, you know, the the, the highest stops, like you said, in EuroLeague or Serie A or the French League or all this stuff, I mean, Sometimes you're playing in places that you didn't think there was professional basketball set up, you know, it's, and the fact that he is been there right with them and, you know, follow those steps along the way. That's obviously very helpful to have, especially considering it's the first, you know, first season you want everybody to be on the same page and start building what they want to achieve and all that stuff. Worth noting as well, obviously um, three seasons in the D League doesn't exactly scream out like top quality player. But I've taken a look at Jordan Brady's numbers here, Jordan, and they're not bad. In seventeen hundred minutes, over seventeen hundred minutes in the D League, he shot thirty seven percent from three. You got a regular Steve Sir here. Oh not quite. That's not that's a sore subject. <laughs> a sir subject. 4.8 points, 3.6 rebounds per game, whereas averages in the D-League. It's like, okay, this is not the best player, but I don't know if something like that helps. I mean, that's a debate that's probably being had in some regard and still goes on in terms of the books proper. Does it help? Um, obviously, kid status is a factor that comes in, but someone who's only recently retired from playing, who your players can connect to in that different way, does that element even help? I guess we'll find out and see. I am, I'm encouraged overall by this hire. Um, it wasn't, well, I'm not going to pretend that this was someone who was on my radar or was exactly what I was expecting. I think I was expecting some sort of in-house hire. I like that it's not, though, and that's more in keeping with the, the vast changes we've seen this summer. Like, the whole books for an office structure is very different. That's extending out to the herd as well. If the herd is becoming this kind of um, reunion spot for former Jazz and Stampede, Salt Lake City Stars people, I, I think there could be worse things. They're they're a franchise who have been pretty smart in terms of development. So people who have been around that organization, you know, certainly not something to turn our nose up at, but. I kind of like the hire. I like that it's someone young as well. And again, the element of him being from outside the organization, okay, you'd imagine he's going to come in and run something similar. You'd think that's the logic between the two, what the books do. But that's not necessarily a guarantee. This is someone who could come in and have his own ideas where it could work in the opposite direction, where all of a sudden the herd kind of the herd kind of finds something particularly interesting that they're having a lot of success with. And that's an experiment that the books themselves decide, okay, that's interesting. Let's have a look at doing some of that in the NBA. There's something about that that appeals to me too, that maybe we'll get some, 
some different approaches or some new ideas. Time will tell. We don't know him all that well yet. We will as the season approaches and as the season goes on, we'll get to know him. But I'm pretty encouraged, which is not something I've been able to say about every book's hire in the last few years. Where are you on that? Are you feeling pretty neutral or positive or negative? I think it's just encouraging that they've hired someone at this point. It's at this point, the only announcement that we had before was Dave Dean as the team's GM. And as I said before today, and uh, one of my great tweets, uh, they are doubling down on two first names. So uh, between Dave Dean and Jordan Brady, just to make it clear. Yeah, I, I think it's just positive development, regardless <laughs> before the success and or if, you know, hopefully there is success. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, and I think it signals the start of what should be kind of the next wave of decisions and moves from the herd. Uh, like we talked about this, you can't start to think about filling out your roster, or even you can't start to think about your approach to the expansion draft which they will be picking third in, if I remember correctly. Adam Adam Johnson of yeah. Two Ways and Ten Days tweeted that out last night. The the herd will be the third pick and in the expansion draft. But you can't start to really think about all of that and who you're bringing in and how you're going to play, what you're going to do with it. Like, we don't know how closely initially the Bucks will kind of look to mesh the two together. If it's very closely, he'll need to meet with the likes of Jason Kidd, Sean Sweeney, Joe Prunty, and work on... You know, what do we want this to be? All of those things can't really come into play, though, the longer you leave it. So it is important that they get someone in place at this point and then start to worry about the other things to see, okay, what players can we bring in? Um, What are we going to do with the expansion draft? How are we going to play? So it's kind of an interesting milestone for, for just kind of kicking this into another gear and letting us all look forward to this other team, this other organization genuinely taking shape so that then we can put names and faces to what they're going to be and we can start to think about and talk about how the herd going to play. How exactly can the herd be of use to the books? What could they benefit from them? Because we could talk about all the very general, broad sweeping statements of what a G League franchise can do generally, but there can be more specific ways in which a team can help too. Um, for example, like we can all talk about how the books need to change their defensive scheme. Books need to change the defensive scheme. Um, that's something we've talked about for a long time, but maybe we're all being optimistic and hoping it could happen. But say if you wanted to try a variation of it or you wanted to adjust things, the G League is somewhere that can be your kind of trial basis for that. So specific team-based problems can also be addressed there and maybe you can learn something new that can then be applied to the NBA proper. So we're reaching a new point in the in the G League journey and plenty to be excited about. It's it's starting to feel a lot more real. Every time something happens, you're like, okay, this is going to be a thing. Seeing that there's a head coach hired, that's a major, major piece of progress though. Um, before that, you're kind of like, okay, it's happening, but it doesn't feel like it's happening. Now it's very much real. I would like to say the words G League journey. Journey also spells or is spelled with a G. So it sounds like G League Gurney. 
Illinois, Six Flags. Okay. Random words from Jordan Tresky. Thank you. Keeping up some sort of Dealey Geely connection, although we'll get to that element of it a little bit. Um, one of the other big pieces of news, as we said, there were multiple today, came in the form of Milt Newton, former Minnesota Timberwolves general manager, not yet officially being hired, but Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, reporting that he's in talks with the books. They are finalizing a deal for him to become the team's assistant general manager. Most recently, as I said, Milt Newton was the GM of the Timberwolves. Um, he was tasked with kind of keeping things as normal as possible at a very d- difficult period for the Timberwolves after the death of Flip Saunders. He had come over, though, from Washington to be a part of Flip Saunders' staff there and had been kind of a key fixture in the Timberwolves' front office for, for a couple of years. Before that, he had also worked as a scout for the 76ers. And that connection I alluded to earlier, um, something pretty interesting. He worked for the NBA to the cells. For three years, his role was specifically to get the D-League up and running, which is interesting considering some of the moves today. This is someone who should also have the inside track. Um, I, I think the best kind of detail I've found on this came in actually the the his old bio on the Wizards website, which outlined prior to joining the Wizards organization, Newton was instrumental in spearheading the creation of the National Basketball Development League. He assisted in the development of league policies and procedures and served as the director of player personnel for three years. In that role, Newton was responsible for the evaluation, recruitment, and signing of all players and assisting the executive director in the league's day-to-day basketball operations. In the league's first two years of operation, Newton assisted in the development of 22 players that were promoted from the NBA D-League to the NBA. What I find particularly interesting about that is it feels like there's kind of, there's an overlap between what you'd normally, what you'd normally see as player development responsibilities in some of what Newton has done in the past. So He's kind of this all-around executive. He's had the experience of being a GM. He's worked for the NBA proper. He's kind of worked at all levels along the ladder, having been a having been a professional player first. Considering the news that I'll get to a little bit later, that we'll finish up on the other big piece of books news today. I think I think Newton's just—he's a really interesting hire. He can just cover off multiple bases of things they're going to need and advise John Horst in a number of different ways. Again, this isn't necessarily something I was expecting. It was reported by Ian Begley of ESPN that the books had interviewed Mark Hughes of the New York Knicks. Uh, it must have been two weeks now, and he, he had since interviewed with the Kings, if I'm correct in saying that. I was it was the Clippers. Was it the Clippers? Okay, I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought it had been the Kings, but you're, you would know if it was the Kings, I'm guessing. So, uh, I'll take your word on that one. Uh, but... Actually, Newton was linked to the Kings, but I don't think there was anything official. Oh, okay. I could be well, wrong, though. Regardless, now that he's with the books, this is someone of the kind of pedigree that I guess they would have needed to pair with Horst. But I think he's still someone who's pretty fresh in the league and still feels like he has something to prove, which is reassuring to me, considering, as we talked about in the past, like... Ed Stefanski could have been a contender for this job. 
uh, Rod Thorne could just, they could just not have hired someone and Rod Thorne could have taken on a much more vocal role behind the scenes. This to me is, you know, again, someone coming in in this case is refreshing because I don't know if leaving it to the status quo would have been the best thing for the books. Yeah, I mean, we've already gone through a season where they had it uh, filled the assistant GM role. That was two seasons ago after David Morway left to go to the Kings. Then he left that <laughs> not long after. Um, but like you said, Milton. Milton. Ugh. Milt Newton. I guess his name is Milton. <laughs> Milton. <laughs> his name actually is Milton. Yeah. Milton, Milton M. Newton, Newton, to be exact. I don't. I don't know what the M stands for, Jordan. I'll leave that one for you to investigate over the. Wait, that's months. his middle name. Yeah, Milton M. Newton. M M N. Yeah, maybe it's Milton Milton Newton. <laughs> Another Andrew Andrew Andrews. <laughs> that's for our longtime listeners. Um, yeah, he has experience. He kind of got the short shrift uh, with the Timberwolves with you know the arrival of Tom Thibodeau. Actually, if you really think about it, his tenure was kind of a weird position to begin with because the first season they're dealing with – I mean, it's it was a successful season by Timberwolves standards uh, in recent history, but they're dealing with the whole Kevin Love drama that was going on. Then they officially bought him out, but they get uh, Edger Wiggins, uh, Zach Levine, they get through the draft. Then, of course, with Carl Anthony Towns, but then Flip Saunders is, you know, untimely death. Then – dealing with all that, like that's just for a three year period. That's a lot of uh, things to, you know, weather the storm and, you know, the wolves, they're not there yet, at least like in terms of success or, you know, comparatively, they're not where the bucks are, uh, but they're getting there. They're building, building it up, but he, you know, obviously didn't get a chance to kind of see it through. But like you said, there's, it's not just his experience with the wolves. It's, you know, the building up the D League, having his experience in uh, Washington, being a former player. I mean, there's a lot to like uh, with him. And again, having a, a guy with experience next to John Horst who can help out with day to day decisions, uh, has a good track record. Um, I mean, that's all needed at this point. And like I said to begin with, like we've seen what it is, we've seen what the Bucks look like without an assistant GM to begin with, but with a guy that, you know, John Horst, we've all liked the qualities that he brings, but having, not having a, I guess, experienced voice in, in the room, uh, like Newton, it would have been a disservice to him. So it's, you know, good, good to have him along, you know, on board. And especially, like you said, the names that we heard associated with them, the, it's not that they were bad people, except and Stefanski, but uh, uh, we're not saying he's a bad person. To be clear, uh, yeah, just, I, I, he's not. He's not the candidate we would have liked. Just, yeah. just to be clear on that one, don't, don't get us trouble. But yeah, I, I think, I? I think one of the one of the things that you kind of touched on there is some of those guys who the Timberwolves drafted in recent years. And they've drafted incredibly well. You could say, okay, they haven't done great in free agency at times, although much like the books up until very recently, uh, that wouldn't exactly be a team that would easily land free agents. But if you look at their roster, their current roster, which is now filled with so promise and expected to be 
a really competitive team in the Western Conference, like a lot of what they've got there, he played a really important role in it. I, I included in the, the piece I wrote on this earlier, a quote from, it was from the Associated Press at the time he was fired. And they described him as particularly influential in the draft. And again, to go through some of those names, you're talking Zach Levine, Zach Levine Carl Anthony Towns, Shabazz Muhammad, Gorgie Jang, and then pulling off the trade between Kevin Love and Drew Wiggins. Like, if, if you look at what they've got now, um, you probably don't necessarily get a couple of the free agents you've got if you don't have Wiggins and Towns already in place. Zach Levine was a part of the deal that brings you Jimmy Butler. Like, they're, they're notable moves, and they're, they're positive moves. It's easy to think the Timberwolves haven't had a good record, but they've been making pretty solid draft moves at least so if that is an area of expertise for him and as we mentioned this is a guy who uh, was formerly i'm pretty sure he was a director of scouting in philadelphia so scouting background and wait did he work with ed stefanski he might have jordan um which then could have maybe ed stefanski recommended him he might have that that is possible i think with the way those two timelines would have lined up if he didn't he would have been I mean, right at the beginning of the Hinky era. Mm-hmm. Simple, eh, though? We, we're, probably, we're probably better not knowing. Let's just never check that. We're better not knowing, Jordan, because don't tarnish his draft track record by telling me that he was actually part of the Stefanski nightmare in Philadelphia. Jordan's just put a downer on it all. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite, uh, quite excited about this one, too, though. I, I guess the bigger questions with this, you can say, okay, it's an interesting hire. He's someone with experience, has done some nice things. I can see what he should be able to bring to the books. The questions are going to be, well, what's he allowed to bring to the books? John Horst did a really, really interesting Q&A with Steve Ashburner of NBA.com uh, a couple of days ago now as we record this. I, I felt it was easily the best communication of any sort we've seen with horse since he was given the job i'm trying to think there weren't i mean a whole lot of interviews kind of straight interviews as much as him kind of performing and uh, either being unveiled himself or unveiling dj wilson a lot of the opportunities we got to see him are like the ultimate stage events it came across as kind of his guard down a little bit a little bit more authentic and although he spoke very confidently about you know, final decisions rest with me. That's why I'm here. It's not Jason Kidd. It's not the ownership. It's me. We all have good reason to have questions over that. And I guess that's going to be going to be a big factor with Milton Newton, too. It's going to be, okay, smart guy in the room, but will he be allowed to exert his influence and use his voice? It all remains to be seen. Overall impression on the Milton Newton hiring? Would you have gone a different a different direction, a different route, or is it something that again you like the profile and you feel him personally is he personally is a good option for the books? Yeah, I think just like I said before, having an experienced guy in general uh, was needed. Uh, it was kind of the elf in a the room. There wasn't besides like Mark Hughes. I don't think there. I know I'm forgetting there were surely a, a couple other names, but it wasn't like there was anything imminence it was just kind of let's study you know see how it plays out kind of thing um and to have that domino 
fall, if you will. That was not a paid advertisement, by the way. Um, uh, it's a good thing. Again, just more of the merrier in terms. I don't know. No, 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 <laughs> not the more the merrier. We've been there. We've been burned by that one, Jordan. Definitely not the more the merrier. Uh, we want Merry Christmas. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we want clarity in this front office. Again, clarity over quantity. Is that what you're yeah, saying? yeah, clarity over quantity. I'm joking. I'm joking. That should be the new slogan. We will see at least what Milt Newton, if not for the bucks for lens crafters. Now, that was no, it wasn't a paid advertising. wasn't paid advertising, <laughs> although it can be. Uh, moving on to the last the price is right, the last piece of news. Somewhat surprising, I hadn't been with the organization for very long, always spoken of in kind of glowing terms by everyone. This sounds familiar. I thought just in Okay, it's not a great, not a great uh, feeling to give us all going into this section. But Craig Robinson, who has been vice president of player personnel and organizational development since was it August? Well, but later September. I want to say it was mid-season. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You could be right. August fifteenth, two thousand sixteen. So almost a year okay, with the so- organization. I take it back. You're right. You aren't right. I am entirely right. He has what decided, is time? I don't know. Did I get to the bit? <laughs> you might distract me. I don't know if I got to the bit. Craig Robinson has decided to leave the books and join up with the New York Knicks. News was first reported by Shamshrania of Yahoo Sports, who said Robinson plans to fill multiple roles for the franchise, including player development. Um, Shams also reported as and serving as general manager of the Knicks Development League team in Westchester. That was then disputed by Ian Beckley of ESPN, who said Robinson is not expected to serve as GM to the Knicks League team. That role is expected to continue to be filled by Alan Houston. Regardless, if this seems like a puzzling move for some, I believe Steve Mills and Craig Robinson were teammates at Princeton. So there's a very obvious connection, and as much like the books are kind of retooling their front office as Steve Mills now has control to do so in New York. I guess this is a a logical move. This is one of these roles in the front office that can also be spoken about as being incredibly important for just keeping things kind of running smoothly behind the scenes. Yeah, we're not going to see a whole lot of the... We're not going to see a whole lot of the impact of it. I think a lot of what we did see from Craig Robinson was he, he ended up being someone who's involved in kind of a lot of the the welfare and community community elements of the books uh, plans. He was someone who's very visible at Books Foundation events. I mean, as recently as, what was that, like 10 days ago when the books donated those 15 different charities around Milwaukee, he was one of the people in attendance. He was a leading face in the kind of the, the video tour of the new practice facility. He was showing how the facility had been tooled to perfectly fit the players' needs. I believe that the the barbershop being in there was his idea too. And just like that, he's gone. When this happened, which is only really a matter of hours ago, I messaged you at the time to kind of express my bad feelings about, you know, this is a good job. Your Jordan. funny bone was acting up again, wasn't it? Well, it knew something was coming anyway. I'll give it that. Maybe it was a lightning. I was starting to think, oh, I just, you know, it's not, it's not like he's choosing to leave for another job and it's the Knicks. And no matter what we all think of the Knicks, the Knicks are a big name. 
bigger city. There are things that you can understand there, but the idea of just kind of this continuing exodus of people was making me uncomfortable. In the time since, obviously, we've had two pieces of news that I've actually quite liked, so maybe I feel a little bit better. Is there something, though, to kind of... Should we be saying this is all a lot of change in a very short period of time? And in the case of Robinson and Zanuck, it's not even just a lot of change in a short period of time. As you already set up with your joke earlier, these are guys who were brought in to be kind of key figures. They weren't there long, and now we're changing again. It's kind of like everything on the court is in place for this kind of, okay, long-term project, but we've been going through this little patch of just kind of press reset, press reset, press reset in the front office. Does that unnerve you, or do you feel now we should be going, okay, that's all, let's let's all just relax. It's all settled down for a few years at least. Are we safe to think we're in that place yet? The settled part? Yeah, just kind of, we're going to, you know, John Horst is going to get to work. He's going to get to work with Milt Newton. They're going to... With his briefcase, with his crackers in the briefcase a la Kramer they're gonna have a few years and we'll see what they do like are we at that point or is there something disconcerting about the you know okay different circumstances with everyone but we've had a summer where John Hammond left Billy McKinney left Justin Zanuck left now Craig Robinson's left yeah I mean I don't know I've seen I saw a few people uh kind of connect the dots between the Newton hire and Robinson leaving for technically a promotion with the Knicks, possibly, even though Sharania erroneously said that he was going to be GM for the uh, Westchester Knicks. But you'd feel like if he's going to to the Knicks, he's taking up a pretty influential position. Not that he didn't have one here, but just maybe more of the basketball side as opposed to what he was doing at the Bucks. Right, and, and this so is who knows? someone who... Before he came to the books, I mean, was most recently a head coach in college. So someone who probably would still be craving to be as close to the basketball side as possible still. Yeah. Um, So who knows how much that played a part about it? Obviously, I don't think we'll really get that detail unless if it's, you know, put out to us. But (laughs) we don't uh, need any more explosive investigative (laughs) uncoverings, Jordan. Yeah. Or a, a press conference. With that trust, uh, that yeah, or a press conference where the owners just tell us everything themselves. Yeah, we don't need one of them. Either. Or one of them just shows up and the other two are, you know, doing something else. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, a little disconcerting to wake up to, or maybe not wake up to, but I don't know. Everyone was... else was wide awake, Jordan. We, you can let us in the secret. You woke up to it. Everyone else. No, was wide what time awake. was it? What time it was, was like it? afternoon time. Yeah, I was up. Come on. <laughs> Cup of coffee, bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios, which I don't eat with milk. Everybody, no, get no, train. no, we're moving on. Get on the train. <laughs> we're moving on. This is just no way to derail the podcast, Jordan. We should. I'm sorry, everyone. We should have just stayed on our week off. The one question, not the question. I guess the observations that are left, and I kind of joked with this to you earlier. I don't particularly follow the train of thought that's there from so many people of, you know, Jason Kidd is pulling all the strings still. I think, I genuinely think that has changed. I think um, 
ownership's perception of him has changed to some degree. We know that. I mean, it's been reported. There's been disagreements over him and what his role should be. I know you could counter it well. It just depends on who is in charge at that period of time. The disagreements mightn't matter. But, you know, you do have to say there's been so much change around the books. He's the only... Is he almost the only consistent now from when the owners arrive? I mean, Horst was there in a much more minor role. In any sort of visible role, he's the guy that they hired almost as soon as... I mean, it was as soon as they arrived. Within, like six weeks it was like two months but still it's about as quick as you can do anything yeah. because they had a season finishing and then they came into the draft and just like that just the other side of the draft the kid was hired wasn't he yeah it was like but, right before the free agency right after the draft before free agency because larry drew was famously with yeah with jabari at his unveiling yeah but that is interesting that he is kind of he's almost the the lone survivor left i've always compared him to mark Wahlberg from the ownerships from the ownerships kind of early years of their tenure i don't know what that says uh, i i wrote a piece that was i wrote a lot of pieces today you probably picked that up by now but i wrote a piece that wasn't related to any news which was kind of on, on something else that's pretty topical at the moment which is books players making bold declarations or i guess thinking aloud at least in terms of what they can do and the team could do we had yanis yanis with his countering on whether he could win most approved player again by saying i could be mvp this year um uh, we had malcolm brogdon say our goal is to make the conference finals this year machidel vadova maybe a little bit more experience didn't put a specific kind of thing out like that, but he was very vocal in his interviews in Australia in the past kind of two weeks saying the team expects a really big season this year. And something that I, I kind of took from all of that, that I don't think they quite will grasp yet is if you say all of those things, you have a whole new world of pressure. Like you've got to deliver. You're going to come in can't afford a self start. If you say things like that and you kind of fall behind the eight ball, well, you're in big trouble. But those kind of statements, I mean, Yanis could say, I think I'll be MVP. Brogdon could say, I think we can make the conference finals this year. If the team comes out and they say start the season 10 and 30, not going to happen, most likely in the East with as weak as it is. But if that was to happen, it's not the players who would have to kind of take the the brunt of that straight away. Jason Kidd would be out of a job. I think, like, without without injuries to excuse him, something like that would just be, we can't afford that anymore. And I think there is, there's an interesting element with everyone else who was there having gone, he's being left standing there. And there are new faces and new voices everywhere. I think it just says something interesting that, about the team, that he's the guy who's still there, but also, now that he's the only guy who's still there, he's got to be looking over his shoulder just a little bit. He's got to know what's required of him anyway. I think the books have a reached, reached a point where that's the case, where you know, if, if he wants to stick around and be with this team for a long time to come, he's going to have to deliver. That's just the expectations that come with coaching Yanis alone at this point. But I do think sort of an interesting subplot from all of this is just... All of the change, there's one constant remaining, and it's Jason Kidd. And 
everyone else is going to have that period of grace. You know, if if there are bad decisions made this summer, well, you'd say, okay, John Horst just came in. What, what was he to do? He couldn't make a trade. He was just figuring it all out. He just arrived. Also, he's very cheap. Kid is the guy, though, who he doesn't have an excuse. So I, I just think it's going to be a fascinating season in that way. All of this change, I hope we're in for some stability. But to be honest, it could lead to more change as well. And we talked about this kind of way back into the middle of last season, kind of when the, the D-League team became something more official that it was going to be a reality we kind of hammered home the point of this is the time where you want to have a very set idea of what your identity is as a franchise and what you want to be from top to bottom there is no way the books know that the owners might have a kind of catchy couple of lines that they could give out as a as a quote at a press conference but you're pulling all of these people from different organizations. You're putting them together. They haven't had a chance to mesh to become their own thing yet. And this is really at all levels throughout the the kind of basketball operation side. Like with that, there is no identity. There can't be yet for those people. And then you've already got this kind of somewhat defined identity on the court in terms of what your coach is doing. If it doesn't work, I think there'll be trouble. It's It really is kind of an interesting shift in how I think the pressures are going to swirl around and land in certain places based on the change because something goes wrong, what happens? Fingers start pointing. Bucks only have one guy to point the finger at now. Uh, I, I think that's, that's interesting. I would hope that Jason Kidd isn't thinking like that because it'll be a very negative frame of mind to be in. I hope he is thinking about, okay, we're going to make the conference finals this year. But... That's a real possibility. I, I think it's a it's a change that maybe everyone hasn't quite thought about or picked up on yet, but it's something that I think could very quickly come into play if the books don't come out of the traps fast. But you have to remember, when you're pointing your finger at someone, there's three fingers pointing back at you. All right. Anything else, Jordan, for this week? It's a much shorter podcast than usual. Um, it was an unplanned one, but... The books just gave us some stuff that we said, okay, we better just check in and talk about those things. Anything Throw else? Wrap it all together. Go on. We came crashing down in the middle of the night down the stairs. We looked under the Christmas tree, and there were three human-sized <laughs> presents under the tree. This is a weird metaphor. Now yeah, it's now it's, it's gone off the walls. Yeah. But to reiterate... Eat your cereal without milk. We will be back next week with a full-size podcast, including a mailbag back to normal. In the meantime, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and add us on Stitcher. You can read all of our work on BehindTheBookPass.com. And we'll be back with you next week. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. No days off, everyone.